right, we can have an invitation now. Amen? So you don't have any more voice. Anyways, I thank God for the message of that song. And aren't you glad that God runs faster than we are? Isn't it? And uh, we know he's everywhere, isn't it? He is uh, omnipresent. He is omniscient. He knows all things. He is everywhere. He is timeless. He is from the past, present, and the future, and everything in between. So we know that he is sovereign, and we can trust him in our lives. Amen? And today is uh, Father's Day, so special uh, greetings to all our dads, our fathers here in our church, um, also for those that we know. And uh, before we continue on, let's have a word of prayer. Let's ask the Lord to bless our time together. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you for being our God, being uh, your children, being your sons and daughters. Thank you, Lord, for our great salvation that we have in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that uh, when we fail thee, when we falter, when we are unfaithful, thou art uh, still a faithful God. And your mercy and kindness and long-suffering and patience are truly evident, Lord, in our lives. So we ask, Lord, once again for your cleansing, forgiveness for any sin that we've committed against you. We know, Lord, that you are a just and a holy God, and we are just forgiven sinners, uh, forgiven saints of God, Lord, and we uh, just ask for your compassion to be applied upon us. Wash us with your precious blood. Bind the works of the enemy and even our fleshly carnal desires. Help us to listen and focus to thy word. Pray, Lord, as your servant that you help me. I'm so, Lord, limited. I'm a frail father, and I just ask for the Spirit to work in our hearts today that something that is said will encourage us, instruct us, rebuke us, reprove us, because as you said in your word, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for us, for those wonderful things, Lord. And um, bind the works of the enemy and help us, Lord, to really appreciate all our dads here, especially the greatest example of all, our Heavenly Father in heaven. And keep us safe while we're doing our worship service today. Thank you already for the songs that had blessed our hearts in our congregational singing. Thank you, Lord, for all our instrumentalists, for their willingness to play those beautiful instruments for thy honor and for thy glory. May they never get tired to attribute praise to you. Thank you, Lord, that we have a voice. We have a feet that can bring us to church today and worship the one true living God. So, Lord, we... Dedicate everything to you and help me once again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Uh, happy Father's Day. Uh, they're in our first slide. And Brother Gilbert will tremendously help me a lot today to hasten the message. Amen. So next slide. All right. There is uh, somebody that uh, sent me this morning, actually. And I just asked Pastor Abel to insert it with my slides about what a godly father is. A beautiful acronym. Isn't it? of a father, F-A-T-H-E-R. It says there, F stands for faithful to God and family. Amen? Uh, we're all stewards here. Amen? We are managers of something that God has entrusted. And for the father as the head of the home, we have to faith, be faithful first and foremost to God, who is the source of all things, who is the giver of all things, and of course, to the first ministry that he entrusted to us, our families. A, able to discern God's will in trying times and good times. Once again, we were blessed by the message of Brother Jackson yesterday among the men that through God's grace, we need to be able men. Able because our 
you know, God is able to enable us, amen, to sustain us. And he said, as I shared a while ago, um, briefly, that he gave us four things that we need to be able. That we have to be available, our availability, our dependability, and also mobility. When God asks us to do something or go somewhere, we need to be flexible and also stability. We need to know what we believe in, defend it, and stand with it, and withstand. Amen? Uh, the wiles of the devil, the fiery arrows of the wicked. Then T, thankful for all the joys and trials of life. Amen? Are you thankful dads for today? All right? Are you thankful for today? Better be because we have a few more hours of this. And then tomorrow is Mother's Day again and the whole rest of the year, 2023. Thankful for all the joys, all right? The other side and also the trials. The good times and the bad times, as God says. First Thessalonians 5, 18 and everything, give thanks. Amen? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Then F, happy no matter what life brings. Especially if you're a godly father, a godly man. You can still be happy. You can still be thankful. Whatever life brings. It might be sickness and pain, joys and tribulation. You can be happy in the Lord. Amen? In the Lord. You can count it, you know, joy when you fall into diverse temptations. And you can have patience to have a perfect work. Letter E, enthusiastic about a life lived with purpose. Amen. See, meaning if your life has meaning and purpose, you'll be excited living each and every day of it. Amen? Amen. Even we do the ordinary, mundane things in life. We go to work tomorrow. Maybe not because some, 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 uh, it's a holiday, isn't it? It's like June 10th or something. Right? They're celebrating what's the abolishment of slavery here in this country. All right? All right. Emancipation. Declaration. Um, great Abbe, you know. Enthusiastic about a life lived with purpose. Then R stands for righteous. I love this. Rock solid in heart and mind from a growing relationship with Jesus. There you go. There's the key. A growing relationship with Jesus. Amen? And that's worth striving for as Christians. Not just for the men. Any age group. Any Christian who is born again. Blood-bought. Who had experienced the saving grace of the Lord. We need to be growing. Amen? And I heard that, I uh, saw that post, you know, we are supposed to be going, growing, and glowing for Jesus. Amen? And that's wonderful. For these things and so many more, we praise God for our fathers this Father's Day and always. I hope that we will keep this in mind, uh, something good to share about a godly father. All right? Of course, if you're, you're a godly father, if you are, next slide, if your steps are ordered by the Lord. Amen? Uh, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Psalms 37, verse 23. And we know that a good name, as the Bible also says, is rather to be chosen than great riches. Amen? We always say, you know, the character of a man is what really uh, is God's measurement for a success of a man. Because you know what? We have these terms like ego is what we think of ourselves. Isn't it? Reputation is what others think of us, but character is what God thinks of us. Amen? And character before God is the most important thing. Our character is what really defines us in the sight of God. Whether our, we are in the crowd or we are alone, amen? Whether we are in prosperity or adversity, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So that's my prayer 
for all our fathers here today, our guys, and for all of us, that our steps will be ordered by the Lord. Next slide. All right? Of course, uh, honoring our fathers and our mothers is a commandment. Amen? So we can see it all the way in the Old Testament. It's the fifth commandment in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, when the Bible declares, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. All right? In between those ten commandments, the first half, actually the first four, declares our responsibilities as human beings, as mankind, toward God. You know, thou shalt not have uh, no other gods before him. Thou shalt not make any graven image. Thou shalt not take his name in vain. Isn't it? All those wonderful commandments pertaining how we honor God. Then the rest of the commandments is our responsibilities toward our fellow men, our neighbor. Isn't it? And then Christ, remember in the New Testament, shorten it, summarize it into two. To love God with all you've got. And you have to love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't it? But this is the fifth commandment. Then, next slide. It's also reiterated in the book of Deuteronomy. One of the books of the Pentateuch that Moses had written. And Deuteronomy simply means rehearsing of the law. Retelling of the law. Retelling of the blessings of God toward Israel. It was mentioned again, that fifth commandment. To honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God had commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged. There's a promise here, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. What this honor simply means? Honor means to give respect, isn't it? To esteem high. No, we honor them because of the God-given office and position. We cannot choose our own family, isn't it? We cannot choose our biological father, but, you know, God still used them as an instrument to bring us out into this world. And that alone, we need to honor them. And it's also God's command. Then it's also reiterated in the New Testament. Amen? In Ephesians. So whenever you look at your Bible and you see capitalized letters, those are coming from the Old Testament. Amen? Those are referenced from the Old Testament passages. So it says here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. All right, let's everyone... Uh, Let's read it all together, amen, because it's always good to read God's word, all right? Let's read it all together. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and the mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. A lot of young people said amen to verse 4 a while ago <laughs> when Pastor Abel was preaching about it. Look at that. It's reiterated again from Exodus 20.12, Deuteronomy 5.16, to honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. So let's say for our grandparents that live long, it's not just because probably they're eating right, exercising right, or Drinking olive oil, I'm just kidding. Or putting oil of delay, that's why they're living longer. But probably, they live longer because they are obedient to their parents. Amen? They're obedient to their parents. And they said there's not so much pollution then, you know, or processed food. But there's a promise there that you will live longer and it will be well with thee. And let's look at some of the fathers in the Bible. All right, of course, our 
Who is the father of us all? <laughs> Starts with letter A, the first letter in the alphabet. Of course, it's Adam. Or si Adan. He is the father of us all. He's the father of human race. We did not come from a big bang. Amen? We did not come from a single cell of an organism that was a soup. And then it bangs, and then came the ape, and then it start walking like you and me now. No. All right? We came from the Creator God. We came from a God who is so intelligent, so majestic, that we are the crowning peak of His creation because He created us in His image. Amen? God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and the Bible says in Genesis, and breathed into his nostrils the bread of life. And man became a living soul. So we are sort of like an extension of God because now man has a beginning but no ending. Because we are now made in the image of God means we are now going to live in eternity. Because, you know, in His great perfect design, He designed us to fellowship with Him forever. But we know what the problem is. Sin came into the picture, isn't it? So Adam is our first father. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, I think I have a verse there. Romans 5, 12. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sin. The Bible is clear, isn't it? We don't believe in Genesis chapter 1 and 1 and 2 that there was a gap there. That God used theistic evolution to create the world, that there was sin before Adam was formed, because it was Adam and Eve who brought the sin curse into the world. Isn't it? The Bible is clear about that. As by one man's sin in our study in the book of Romans, we will go to this. One man's sin entered into the world and death by sin. You know, so Adam was our forefathers who plunged the human race into sin. But even though he did that, thanks be to God for the second Adam, the perfect Adam. In the person of Jesus Christ, who came 2,000 years ago, incarnated in the flesh, God with skin. Amen? Amen. He came even in the offense of one. We read in verse 17, we jump there. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, that's Adam, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. And what name is that, folks? Jesus Christ. One man offense but one man's blessing throughout whole mankind because of Jesus. That's the difference. We are created with a federal head, Adam. And also our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the federal head of our salvation. That's why in verse 18 it says, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Romans 3.10, amen? There is none righteous, no, no, no not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. John chapter 3 Verse 17, he that had the son had been condemned already. We are living under the wrath of God because of the sinkers. Amen? But look at the second half. Even so by the righteousness of one. Who is that again, folks? Brethren, Jesus. Righteousness was imputed to us because of Jesus' life here on earth. Remember, I always tell you how come God just did not send Jesus without being incarnated in the flesh, being a baby, living you know, adolescent, until he started his early ministry, how come God did not just send him here in this earth, 33 years old already, for a week and go to the cross? Because he has to fulfill all righteousness. He has to obey all the law. So when we accept him, God sees 
Jesus' righteousness in our behalf. It's imputed to us, given to us. It's not like just you're not going to hell because he shed his blood, but also you're going to heaven. God the Father, God in heaven is pleased with you because he can see his son's righteousness in you. Amen? So when we receive Jesus, it's a double blessing. Amen? We will not go and spend eternity separated from God in hell, but in return he gives us the grace, he gives us his righteousness, and we are being accepted by God the Father. He is pleased with us because his son is with us. Capital S-O-N. He says there, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, who is that again? Adam. Many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Aren't you glad Jesus Christ became obedient to the Father's will, even obedient to the cross? Hebrews 12 declares, we are called the joy of Christ, that he endured the cross, despising the shame. So that's Adam. Uh, lo look at the Genesis line. How about Enoch? Enoch walked with God. And don't you know there's trans in the Bible? <laughs> Talking about gender dysphoria, all right? You know right now we're living in that day and age, isn't it? Sadly. And I preached about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. There's so much confusion right now. A lot of liberals and anti-God is try trying to redefine traditional things, biblical things, uh, trying to rewrite history because that's God, uh, the devil's plan is to destroy the number one country who's still sending missionaries, who's still trying to, uh, remnants are still trying to live for God, isn't it? Because a lot of nations look up to America, isn't it? For leading, for example. So if we're going to be down morally, spiritually, and economically, militarily, it also affects the rest of the world. Uh, I think Pastor Libioko said, if America sneezes, the world catches a cold, isn't it? You remember when he said, it's true, you know? Meron pa influencia ang America. And I know God birthed America, God blessed America because he has a reason and a purpose, isn't it? To be able to be that nation to spread the gospel. But sadly, it's happening right now. There's a lot of confusion and deception. But Enoch walked with God, and we know that he was translated to heaven. So there's trans in the Bible, amen? There is transgressors. <laughs> the way of transgressor is hard, isn't it? And we are all transgressors, isn't it? Because we're all sinners. We all miss the mark, amen? We, iniquity is found in our heart. Everybody had lied. Everybody disobeyed God's commandment. That's given. If either you you accept it or not, in the eyes of God, in the eyes of society, that's why there's a law, isn't it? And we disobeyed the law. We offended an almighty God. So there's transgressors, but also there's the word transform. Amen? When you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be transformed into the family of God. Amen? He will renew your mind. You will change your, he will change your perspective in life. He'll give you a new spiritual family. And it's only the blood of Jesus Christ that can transform a man. And you know what? Also will be translated one of these days. Like what happened to Enoch. He's just a picture of the church. You know, he never tasted death. You know, you remember that story like, oh, Enoch and God were walking, having good fellowship. Like probably they're having fellowship like, like Adam and Eve before the fall. They're walking in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden. Everything is perfect. Every, every, everything is, is great. And probably God is telling Enoch, you know what, Enoch? 
We walk so close together. We're enjoying our time together, our communication, communion together. And it seems like you're nearer to heaven than going back to your earthly home. I might as well bring you to your eternal destiny. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, Enoch walked with God and he was not because God translated him. Amen? So there's like good trans. Amen? In the Bible. All right? Bonus lang po yun. All right? I know, and, and we know his son name, the name of the meaning of his son is that when he, he dies, the global flood will be coming on earth. What's his name? And he's the longest living person in the Bible. There you go. You know now. Methuselah. That's his son. All right? So 300 something years Enoch lived, but Methuselah lived to be 969 years. And Methuselah even lived longer than the first man. First father, Adam. Isn't it? Then came down the line, Noah. Noah. I think I have a slide here about Noah. Uh, remember I told you the whole human race came from a farmer and a vineyard keeper, a dresser of the vineyard. The whole human race, Adam and Noah. After the global flood, the annihilation of the human race, the whole world was repopulated by his three sons. Of course, we know what happened to him. In uh, There's a verse of scripture, I believe in... Hebrews 11:7, by faith Noah being one of God, of things not seen as yet moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. All right? By faith. By faith. So his faith, you know, saved him. Amen? And we know in every dispensation we can always agree to this, that's only by the grace of God that a person can ever be saved. Amen? It's only the grace of God that a person can ever be saved. Grace is what, what's again, the undeserved favor, unmerited love. We don't earn it. It was freely given to us. But also a degree of faith is what saved a person. By faith, Noah being one of God of things not seen. So it moved him. His faith, you know, saved him. His fear moved him. And look at that. His family followed him. Amen? And we know the story. God spared him. All right? And through Shem, Ham, Japheth, the whole world was repopulated. So he was a good father, but later on we have a bad ending of his story, remember? He got drunk, all right, and he lost control, and one of his sons dishonored him. And came that uh, uh, lineage of like servanthood, start of that being servant uh, during that time. So next slide. All right. So there is no substitute for a godly heritage, Amen. It's one of the greatest gifts you can receive or pass on to your children. Do everything within your power, dads, to pass on your faith, to raise your family in a way that honors, honors Christ. Children, listen. Amen? Are, are the kids here? Young people? Children, your parents and grandparents are not your history. They are your heritage. Yes, they might not be perfect, but if they fear God, they have faith in God, you can follow them. Amen? If they worship the Lord, they love your mom, you can follow them. You know, you don't have to follow Brad Pitt or uh, Neil Armstrong or uh, somebody in the celebrity world, the sports world. You can look up to your godly father, Christian father, who fears the Lord and have faith in him. Amen? So, praise be to God for that. So, we need a few good men. A few good men. Like a few good men that sang a while ago. About he's still working on me. Amen? 
And uh, yeah, it's, it's really true. The stats, uh, I'll share it later on. And even Brother Jackson gave us a statistic that we are outnumbered, you know, in the church, in society, in, in a lot of places. I don't know why, you know. I have more s daughters than son too, you know. So some, that, that, that tell just tells it all, yeah. We are outnumbered. There's even a show, outnumbered, all right. It's only one person, one guy. He's surrounded by female journalists. All right, so it's okay. It's all right. At least more women also can be found in the ministry. Amen? In the church. All right? Then men. We need more men. So next slide. Sorry. So Father's Day, that's the legacy of our dad. What should be our legacy of our dad? Um, Colossians 3, 18 to 20. Pastor Abel shared this a while ago. So you see, we'll, we'll be quick because I don't have to really emphasize it. Amen? Since it was shared already, <laughs> what does the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 to 20? It says here, and whatsoever you do, let's start with verse 17, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. All right? Whatsoever we do, Apostle Paul instructed the believers in Colossae, whatever we do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So coming here, amen? It's not just a duty, amen? Oh, I have to go to church this Sunday because Sister Milling will be mad at me when my name is not on the roll, all right? I think that's something that we will see in heaven. <laughs> just kidding. Sister Milling's roll <laughs> notebook of our attendance, all right? But it's not just a duty. We go here. It's, it's our desire in our heart, amen? To worship the God who blessed us throughout the whole week, who protected us. Who provided for us? So when you do anything in this world to the Lord, do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So if you're going to do something that we think will not give glory to Jesus or go somewhere will not, that will not glory to Jesus, then are we supposed to do that as a Christian? We ought not, isn't it? Then there's an ad, uh, admonition, wives submit yourselves unto your own husband as it is fit in the Lord. Then, uh, so it's biblical, amen? Godly submission, amen? In the will of God, unto the Lord. So, notice that, in the Lord, amen? So, of course, when somebody is telling you to do something evil or contrary to the word of God, are you still going to submit? Of course not, respectfully not, isn't it? Because not, it's not unto the Lord anymore, all right? And then, it's a taller order for husband, so wife submit lang. But to the husband, love your wives, Amen? And that's the highest degree, highest form of love. Agapao, all right? Unconditional, you know, sacrificial love. You know, husband, love your wives and be not bitter against them, all right? Even though if they cook a lot of ampalayas and they feed that to you, both leaves and fruit, do not be bitter against them, all right? It's good for your blood, amen? It contains a lot of iron. Just kidding, but not be bitter against them. Children, then it goes there. Obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Once again, unto the Lord. All right? Fathers, there you go. Provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And we heard a good exposition about that a while ago. So next slide. What are our father's legacy? Of course, if you have fathers like this, they are legacy in provision. They are hardworking. You know, you don't ha even have much, but they just supply all the basic necessities in life, food, water, and shelter, you ought to be proud. Amen? 
of your father who provided for you. Amen? Uh, provided you material blessings, of course, spiritual blessings, protection. A father's legacy in correction. All right? Discipline. Amen? That's needed. It's a mark. It's an evidence that dad and mom loves you, huh, young people, when they discipline you, when we correct you, because the Bible says that foolishness is bound into the heart of a child. Spare not the rod. No? Put it on the proper board of education. Amen? The behind. All right? Uh, especially when they're younger. And of course, you, we also have to correct them by our words with, with grace. Amen? Season with, with grace, the Bible says. All because of the willingness, the desire to restore them. Correction is good while it's still applicable. Amen? Because sometimes when they get out of the house, they have their own philosophy and they want to live their own life. Sometimes, you know, it's hard. It's hard to penetrate them anymore. But correct them while they're young, while they're, you know, uh, as the Bible says, spare not the rat. A father's legacy in protection. Or they want to protect us. So sometimes in order to protect us children, they have to take things away from us. Hear that? Amen? Because it seems like that thing is being misused and abused and it's affecting your relationship toward one another, especially your relationship with God. You know, if you uh, spend more time with that thing instead of have a time for prayer and reading, hearing God's word, serving the Lord, serving others in the family, that should be taken away sometimes. You know, uh, I don't know how the uh, persons survive nowadays, especially the Generation X without their gadgets. Amen? But sometimes you have to be, you know, uh, isolated from those. Even celebrities, you know, they get tired from all the attention. Media, they go to a, a place where they're only by themselves. They spend a lot of money because they just want to get some rest from all those uh, scrutiny and expectation. Even them, they get tired. You think attention will just make you happy all the time? No, it's not. So, Let's remember our father's legacy in protection and also if you have a godly father, a Christian father who shared the word of God to you, has family devotion, let's thank them for the legacy in sharing to us the gospel salvation. Amen? Next, moving on. All right. Okay. Yun, tapos na. Pwede na invitation. Hindi na gumagana. Okay. That's good. So, Noah feared the Lord. Uh, what we can say, Abraham is a good father also, isn't it? In him whom the family of the earth will be blessed because in him was given the promise of the Messiah in his lineage. God stopped dealing with the world as a whole during the time of Adam, of course, and um, Noah and the Tower of Babel, Nimrod. Now he zeroed into a family where he will bless where the Messiah would come. So Abraham, we know, was a good father. He's our spiritual father also because if we believe in the Messiah that he believed with in the book of Hebrews, we are also like spiritual descendants of Abraham. Amen? You don't have to be Jewish. Amen? To be called the fa children of Father Abraham. That's why we have that little Sunday school song. Father Abraham has many sons. Many sons has Father Abraham. I am one of them. So are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Amen? Spiritual father because of the promised Messiah through Abraham. Then we know the other fathers, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph the dreamer, became a good father. Then all the way to Moses, you know, 
were given the commandments. And also Joshua, we remember, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then also we go to the judges, some good fathers there like Samuel. Also some fathers who fell short, isn't it? There's Elkanah uh, who worshipped the Lord, who loved his wife Hannah, whom Samuel came. Also came my father David, Solomon, and some good kings, father kings. In the Old Testament, both uh, uh, the good kings are in the south, and there's no good kings in the north. Then other fathers I could see in the New Testament that are prominent is the father of John the Baptist. What's his name? Zechariah. And his beloved wife, his name, Elizabeth, who is the first cousin of Jesus. And when Mary visited, the baby lived. Amen? That's why there's already life. Amen? Sacred life in a mother's womb. Very precious. All right? And we know Joseph also, the carpenter, the earthly father of Jesus, not the biological one. He's also a good father. He, you know, he taught Jesus the trade and everything. So he took care of him. So good fathers in the Bible. And we are blessed to have them. We can read their, uh, what do you call this? Their legacy, their history. All right. So now we go quickly to the message today in Luke chapter 15, verses 20 to 24. So, okay? Diba? for the third time. So, dapat mabilis na lang to. All right. So, just to introduce this, all right. Dads, today is our day. Amen. But you know what? Father's Day has somehow never been held in high as regard as Mother's Day. Mothers just have that certain something. You know, after all, whenever you see someone holding a sign or mouthing a word, you don't hear them say, hi, dad. Hello, dad. No, it's always, hi, mom. Hi, mother. Isn't it? The sign and their mouthing of words is never dad's. It's always mom, all right? Now, I'm not complaining. I'm not being a sour grape, all right? But that's just the way it is. But let's face it, dads, Father's Day isn't quite as big a deal as Mother's Day, isn't it? On Mother's Day, they said there is higher attendance in the church. Mothers often have the that flower thing, a corsage or something that they give to them, all right? Carnation. Emotions run high during Mother's Day. Maraming umiyak, marami ring tumatawa. Minsan kahit walang dahilan, all right? And people gather at mom's house all to pay honor to the hands that cradle the truck, the cradle, so to speak, isn't it? To give honor to the mom whose hands, you know, rock the cradle. But on Father's Day, the church is not as full. Emotions are not as high. And businesses don't profit nearly as much. All except for the telephone companies. This had happened in the early 80s or 70s, 90s, I believe. Back before cell phones became commonplace, you know, no, Southwestern Bell reported that Mother's Day is the busiest telephone day of the year. Mother's Day is the busiest telephone day of the year. Why? Because a lot of kids would like to call their mom. But Father's Day was the biggest money maker for them because there are more collect calls on Father's Day. <laughs> Good job, guys. Let dad face it, you know. You see that caricature of the modern day family with all their gadgets. With all the Apple products, iPhone, iPad, iPod, you know, and then God has the iPay, you know. I don't want iPay for all this, you know, monthly juice, all right? 
but collect calls on Father's Day than any other day of the year. That's when the time when there's, you know, phone cards probably or telephone. But now, of course, it's very, very accessible calling. It's easy. So it's not easy being a dad, isn't it? It seems like dads spend the first couple of years of their children's life encouraging them to walk and talk. But the rest of their life encouraging them to sit and be quiet. <laughs> All right? <laughs> that happens. And sometimes I think I feel like that, you know? Um, in Merriam's Webster Dictionary, if we have Noah's Webster Dictionary, what we call Merriam Webster Dictionary, father comes right before fatigue. Of course, it also comes right after fat-headed. Hmm, but I don't know if that means something. Unfortunately, especially here in America, we do live in a culture that has really marginalized the role of the fathers in the family. If you watch television, especially mm -hmm, Disney shows, the father character is always portrayed as a father, as a fat-headed, bumbling buffoon. There is even a name for it. Media analysts refer to it as Homer Simpson syndrome. Sounds familiar, guys? I'm trying to relate here as an American, <laughs> you know, living here in the States. You know, just naturalized, all right? Shows like The Simpsons have turned fathers and fatherhood into general laughing stocks, sad to say. Isn't it? Yeah. We've come a long ways from the show Father Knows It Best or Andy Griffin Show. Isn't it? All right? But those portrayals couldn't be further from the truth. You may not see it, especially when they're young, but a father is more influential in the development of child's life than any other factor. The older our kids get, the more they'll appreciate you dads. Amen? I appreciate my father today. By God's grace, he's still with us. Amen? You know, um, uh, I have a slide there about uh, my dad is the greatest. You know, I could say that because he's the only dad I have. So he's supposed to be the greatest. Amen? Uh, I'll get you that pillow, dad. I know you already have a lot of pillows. But my dad is the greatest, and there are reasons for that, of three things. And probably you can say this to also to your dad. We know it's never perfect, but if you have uh, a good, godly Christian father, you know, because of their character first. Amen? Their companionship, they're always there for you. And their child rearing. I don't know how he raised us five boys. Matatakaw kami. Makukulit kami. And he's the one who really taught us basic arithmetic. I, I remember he has this green board. And my second brother is very smart and genius. He can memorize. He can understand a problem. For me, I'm slow, you know? I have to do it a lot of times, repeat. And, you know, multiplication table and everything. Sometimes uh, he'll give us a test, and I will flunk the test. <laughs> He's the one who first taught us how to read and write. And I still remember that green board, you know? And uh, I don't know how he, he uh, reared us five boys when we start fighting or when we have, like, troubles with each other. But I think, yeah, he, because he's kapampangan, amen? He's a disciplinarian. He's strict. So you choose. You get the belt. You get the wood. You get the uh, branch of a stick of a, a bayabas or something. Or just, you know. But when he corrects us, of course, he always tells us, why did I do that? There's an explanation. There's a prayer. 
there's a hug, isn't it? I remember those wonderful companionship. <laughs> there was time like I was mad at him, like, man, sometimes dad is always losing his temper. Kasi kapampangan eh. May high blood pressure. May anger management to. Sabi ko, maglalayas na lang ako sa bahay na to. I will, ano uh, ba English yan? Stow away, no? Hindi. I will run away. Pero sabi ko, saan ako pupunta? Our church members will give me up. Because they don't want me to, you know? Then, uh, I, I know when we do something mischievous, I know, mapapalo kami. And sino unang mapapalo? Lagi yung panganay. See the double blessings of being the eldest. You're supposed to be responsible to your younger siblings. So you're supposed to instruct them. You're supposed to warn them. You, you're supposed to remind them. So unang mapapalo. So sometimes I try to cheat. I try to put newspapers. Something that will lessen the blow. Alright? To make it more tolerable. And then, mas napalo ka ba? You're cheating, alright? But I thank God for his character. He, he knows how to pray. He's just a faithful dad. He's been a faithful dad. I'm not saying this because he's here, but I'm also saying this because he's here, amen? <laughs> I will not be able to say this anymore. His companionship is still here with us by the grace of God. So if you're here, you still have your fathers with you. Appreciate them, amen? Honor them unto the Lord. So we, we thank God for, for their lives. So unfortunately, this culture that we live nowadays makes uh, fathers seems like they are not really important, all right, in this society. Mark Twain once said, you know Mark Twain, isn't it? When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man learned in seven years. See? He needed dad's guidance, instruction, isn't it? Father's Day is a time to celebrate the huge contribution made to family life by our nation's dad. A special moment of the year to say thanks for all the sacrifices made, for the hard work, for the long hours of parenthood, freely given, but rarely acknowledged. Shall we acknowledge you today, fathers? An opportunity to salute the simple, quiet nobility of being a father, to run the dad Plug up. Amen? And the dad pole in the kingdom of dad doom. Okay? It's all about us dads. Alright? So, you know, uh, this writer, Irma Bombeck, uh, I think she lived to be about 1927 to 1966. She wrote a lot of r wonderful books. She's an American humorist. Alright? She died at the age of 69 through to complication of kidney transplant. Okay, you know, but she wrote, uh, I shared this before in some of our Mother's Day celebration, why God create mothers on Mother's Day, the description of God creating mothers on Mother's Day. Also, she did something, why did God created fathers on a Father's Day? So let me quickly share this to you. Let me read it. When the good Lord was creating fathers, he started with a tall frame. I think this is an American father <laughs> or a European father. Uh, we'll just glean something as Filipino dads, all right? A female angel near, nearby said, oh, female pa, what kind of father is that? If you're going to make children so close to the ground, why have you put fathers up so high? He won't be able to shoot marbles without kneeling, tuck a child in bed without bending, or even kiss a child without a lot of stooping. God smiled and said, yes, but if I make him child size, who would children have to look up to? And when God made a father's hand, they were large and sinewy. 
Is that the right way to say that? All right. They were large and sinewy. The angel shook her head and sadly said, Do you know what you're doing? Large hands are clumsy. They can't manage diaper pins, small buttons, rubber bands on ponytails, or even remove splinters caused by baseball bats. God smiled again and said, I know, but they are large enough to hold everything a small boy empties from his pockets at the end of a day. Ooh, Ezra, I can get those things on your pockets. Yet small enough to cup a child's face. And then God molded long, slim legs and broad shoulders. The angel nearly had a heart attack. Boy, this is the end of the week, all right. Do you realize you just made a father without a lap? How is he going to pull a child close to him without the kid falling between his legs? God smiled and said, a mother needs a lap. A father needs strong shoulders to pull a sled, balance a boy on a bicycle, or hold a sleepy hand on the way home from the circus. God was in the process of creating two of the largest feet anyone had ever seen. When the angel could contain herself no longer, that's not fair. Do you honestly think those large boats are going to dig out of bed early in the morning when the baby cries? Or walk through a birthday party without crushing at least three of the guests? God smiled again and said, they'll work, you'll see. They'll support a small child who wants to ride a horse to Vanson Park <laughs> or Massanutan, all right? Or scare off mice at the summer cabin or display shoes that will be a challenge to fill. By the way, our small gift of appreciation and token for the dads concern your feet. Amen? Something practical and useful. Amen? Let me say about your feet, guys. Did you do a pedicure today or this weekend? If not, let your children do it. <laughs> or lovely wife do it. Or let them give you money to do it. To get a, a massage. But don't you know in the Bible, the Bible says, Beautiful are the feet of them that bring good tidings of great joy of the gospel. In Romans chapter, I believe, 12. And Ephesians 6.15, that our feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And isn't it our feet, guys, is our way to bring us to places? It gives us the direction where we're going to go. Amen? So our feet as guys had to direct us, to lead us to the things of God. Amen? To the work of God, to worship. We should be fathers who learn how to lead in the, in, in the, in, in, in the wisdom of the Lord. Uh, fathers and men who, who learn how to love unconditionally, who learn how to lean on God at all times, all right? Because these feet are created by God for His glory. God worked throughout the night giving the father a few words back to the story, but a firm, authoritative voice, eyes that saw everything, but remained calm and tolerant. Finally, almost as an afterthought, he added tears. Then he turned to the angel and said, Now, are you satisfied that he can love as much as a mother? All right? Brother Ellie almost like choked up with tears last you know, Sunday. And then Pastor Jether. And also me occasionally, isn't it? Na gigi emotional rin tayo. Alright? Some things touches our hearts. See? Some of us can identify with Bombeck's characterization of a father. Either because of fond memories of growing up with our own father. 
or maybe because we see ourselves as a father whose feet are too big to crawl out of bed when the baby cries. That's true. Ikaw na. Ikaw na mag-change. Alright? Ginawa ko na kang ini. Alright? Our young, uh, our, our couples here are young ones, isn't it? Whatever the reason here, we are here today to honor fathers. But we must recognize that they set aside to honor particular people of relationships can also be painful days. Painful days. For some, your relationship with your father was or possibly is still today is being strained. You hold some painful memories with them. Maybe they were irresponsible. Maybe they were abusive. Maybe they were not really a good father, a good example. Maybe they are, sabi nga eh, butangero, alright? Or outcast of society. Huh? It's sad when that happens. For others, it's a mixture of joy and sadness. For you have fond memories of your father, but that's all you have now. Because he is deceased. Because he's gone to be with the Lord. Isn't it? So it's a mixture of feelings. I also think of the father who mourned the death of a child and how Father's Day holds a certain emptiness. I also remember of some good friends of mine who was not blessed to have their own children who desired to be a father. You're right? Uh, desperately wants to be a father, but he and his wife are unable to conceive. Father's Day sometimes is a yearly reminder of that void. Recognizing that today brings together a multitude of emotions, so instead of praising fathers for their invaluable roles, praising or admonishing fathers to pick up the slack a little bit, amen? We can do better. We can improve. God is still working on us, amen? I will not do that. Praise them for their invaluable roles. Let Risa and Rochelle do that later, all right, as our MCs. Or admonish them, but quickly, I just want to point you to our Heavenly Father. His afternoon, all right? Uh, I read about a young boy who showed up late for Sunday school. His teacher asked why he was running behind, and the boy replied, I was supposed to be going fishing, but my dad told me I needed to go to church instead. The teacher was very impressed and asked the boy if his dad had explained to him why it was more important to go to church than go fishing. The boy hung his head and replied, yeah, dad said he didn't have enough bait for both of us. Sad. Unfortunately, that sounds some fathers. No? Sounds like some fathers. But that's not the kind of father we're called to be. Amen? Dads, God has called you to be the spiritual leader of your family, to be his representative in your household. I read another true story about a little girl who was having trouble sleeping during a thunderstorm. I think even Pastor Max shared this and some of our deacons. The thunder clapped. She screamed, jumped out of bed, and rushed to her daddy's bedside. So the daddy put his arms around her and explained that she didn't have to fear. God would take care of her because God loved her very much. I know God loves me, she replied. But right now, daddy, I want someone with skin on. And that's you. Hug me. Take care of me. That's why I have a slide here. Austin L. Sorensen put it eloquently when he said, A child is not likely to find a father in God unless he finds something of God in his father. That's good, isn't it? 
And Pastor Abel also had touched on this. A child is not likely to find a father in God unless he finds something of God in his father. So dads, if you love God and love to worship him, you know what? Your kids will too. But if you don't, they won't. Let's go to the quickly some stats. A statistic tells us, like Brother uh, Jackson shared yesterday, a statistic tells us that in families where mom is a regular churchgoer, but dad is not, only 37 of the kids will attend church, even sporadically when they grow up. On the other hand, in households whose dad attends church regularly, 78% of the kids will still attend church when they grow up. And in families where dad attends church but mom does not, it actually goes up to 84%. Because your children see how important God is to you. And they want to follow in your footsteps. And this taken like several years ago, probably even more right now. Dad, let's be godly fathers so that our children can find a father in God. Amen? Another statistic. Do you know what 90% of homeless and runaway children 71% of high school dropouts, 75% of youth in drug abuse centers, and 85% of all youth in prison have in common? They all came from a fatherless home. Makikita natin po yan ngayon sa ating society. Fatherless home. You know, in every ethnicity. The numbers show that children with involved fathers have higher self-esteem, better grade point averages, and they grow up to be the most compassionate adults. I like that. Compassionate adults. And we have compassionate adults here. Amen? Dads, I tell you, we are vital. The role we play is world-changing. God has given us the ability to completely rewrite the future. So, instead of praising the fathers for their invaluable roles, admonishing our fathers to pick up the slack, let's focus on our Heavenly Father. Amen? Quickly. For some of us, our relationship and understanding of our Heavenly Father is about love, comfort, peace, and security. Amen? If you have Him as your Lord and Savior, that's your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Love, comfort, peace, and security. Seems like it's totally different from the God of the Old Testament. They said, isn't it? The God of the Old Testament, sometimes like, oh, He uses His children to judge some pagan nations, isn't it? He's uh, a God of war. He's like strict. And now come New Testament, we see Jesus, you know, communing with His Heavenly Father. They have a very sweet relationship. And now it's being portrayed as here in the parable of the prodigal son that we had heard preached this morning, all right? No, that, that, that Heavenly Father is a pure reflection, is a pure, gracious example of our Heavenly Father above. Isn't it? Seems like it's a different Father, different God. But you know what? It's the same. Amen? Alright? So some of us, our understanding of our Heavenly Father is about love, comfort, and peace. But for some, that's not the case. Whether you're struggling with who God is and how you relate to Him as your Heavenly Father, or whether you're somewhere in between, the image of the Father in today's scripture is one of the more pure grace-filled description of who our Heavenly Father is. We don't have to read the story. We read it this morning. Amen? Especially verses 20 to 24 of Luke 15. So some have referred to this parable as one of the greatest short story in the world. 
Even the secular world acknowledges this. All right? One of the best short story in the world. It's called a parable, but it's not just a parable. It's a real story. It's like Lazarus and the rich man, even though in our heading in our Bible it's a parable, but it's a real story because these real names, certain men, and this is also had happened in reality. All right? We know parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Amen? It's an earthly story, things that happen in this world, but has a spiritual lesson or impact. And God uh, used this, Jesus Christ used this method of teaching because those that are seeking the truth will be able to grasp and understand the truth. But those that are just trying to find Christ some loophole or just criticize him, the, the truth will not be conveyed to them. Isn't it? Like the religious leaders, those that are trying to find fault in Christ, he uses the parable to teach the common people, those that are seeking the truth, but it's hidden to those who are seems like religious and know the law. That's one of the methods. That's why Christ is using the parable to teach an earthly story, an earthly reality, but also a spiritual heavenly meaning and lesson. All right? So some have referred to this as one of the greatest short story in the world. It says there it focuses on several family dynamics of which we can identify. Isn't it? It deals with rebellion. We can see that in that story. Sibling rivalry. Amen? Yeah. The older brother, the younger brother. Alienation from the family, the consequences of foolish living, the joy of reunion, and the power of forgiveness. Yeah. We can see in this short story. Yeah. Each one of these topics provide us with ample thought and discussion. But instead of considering this the parable of the prodigal son, I'd like for us to think of it as the parable of the loving father. So let's focus a little bit on the father's side. All right? This serves as a model of our heavenly father and as a model for us as fathers. Of course, in summary, our story opens with the son asking his father for his share of the inheritance. Luke 15, all right? Verse 11 to 32. This is custom. This is culture. Biblic biblically speaking, in the first century, you really didn't have a say as to who got what. You really don't have a say as to who got what, speaking of the inheritance. The older son really got two-thirds. The second son got one-third. And if there were more siblings, they had to rely upon their older brothers for some inheritance, some supply some blessings so that's why to be uh, the eldest of the family is a double portion a double blessing it's just you stand as like the spiritual father of the family when the dad passed away and also you have the responsibility to continue and venture out you know the business the livelihood of the dad of the father all right so the second son got one third the older son got two thirds all right so the second son knew his share was one-third. It was not uncommon also for a father to divide his estate before his death, especially if he was ready to step back and turn things over to his sons. Isn't it? Make sense? That's the culture during that time, all right? But it was uncommon for a son to ask his father for his inheritance because it's always the father who has the prerogative to give it before or after this request was a slap in the father's face. His son was saying, thanks, God, uh, thanks dad, I'd rather have your estate than you. Or like, sabi nga ni 
Brother Eli, sa culture ng mga Pilipino, it's like, oh, sana mamatay ka na para makuha ko yung aking mana. Diba? Which is even like harsher. Alright? Thanks, Dad, but I'd rather have your estate than you. So his father knew that some lessons could only be learned firsthand. So he granted his son's request and gave him one-third of the estate. You know, imagine that. He's trying to, you know, sell this stuff, you know, to give to the kid, you know, uh, money. But his son lives fast and loose, as we know. That's why he's a prodigal. You know, he spent recklessly and extravagantly. He's not a prodigy son. He's a prodigal. No, the difference, isn't it? The prodigy is like rare. The prodigal is reckless. The prodigy is exceptional. The uh, prodigal is uh, extravagant. All right? So, the prodigy is wise. The prodigal is wasteful. What a contrast, isn't it? Even though they started the same P. All right? Thanks God, I'd rather have your estate than you. So what he did, he lives fast and loose, foolishly squanders all of the money and finds himself feeding and living, living among the pigs, which is really the most degraded situation for a Jew. We are not supposed to do anything with the pigs. It's an unclean animal. So Je Jesus then tells us he came to himself. That's repentance in Jewish term. Uh, Semitic idiom. He came to himself. Jesus believed, though, that so long as a man was away from God, he was not truly himself. If you don't get anything in this message, please get that. He was only truly himself when he was on the way home to God. When we go home to God on Father's Day or any other given day, that's when we really are of ourselves. Amen? Coming home means different to each one of us. The loving father in today's scripture is waiting for his son. Three things about the father here and we'll end. All right? The, his faithfulness awaits. Verse 20. His forgiveness was available. Verses 20 to 24. And being forced is being abandoned. He did not manipulate even the older brother. He has the free will to do as he pleases. But the compassion, the love of the father was there. You know? First, he was faithful. Faithfulness awaits. This nurturing faithfulness of the father awaits. You know, the loving father in today's scripture is waiting for his son, as we read this morning. We don't know how long he's been gone. It's doubtful there's been any correspondence between father and son, but the son shamefully and embarrassingly drags himself to his father, hoping to be welcome as a slave. I imagine the son's stomach is in knots as he rounds a familiar bend knowing that his home just lies beyond the bend. He's muttering to himself. He's rehearsing these words. He's about to speak to the father, going over and over what he's going to say, but there's no need for his father is already on the lookout. Amen? Anxiously awaiting the return of his son. All right? Aren't you glad your parents are on the lookout, huh, kids, when we go away or sometimes when we don't hit the right time to be home? Or in the curfew. Because they are concerned. They love us. They care. They're waiting. They're, they're watching. Anxiously awaiting our return. Just as the father anxiously awaited the return of his son, our heavenly father also awaits our return. Coming home to the heavenly fathers means turning the corner and finding him waiting, ready to run out and greet you. That's why that song says, isn't it? 
when God runs. And thank God He runs faster. Amen? And He's merciful. Coming home to the Heavenly Father also, secondly, you know, there is forgiveness available. Too many homes are bound by strife and tension and inability to forgive. But thankfully, coming home to the Heavenly Father means forgiveness. When the prodigal son returned home, not only did he find forgiveness, but he also found restoration. His hope was to be retreated as a slave, but he was restored to the family. We can see that in verses 20 to 24. What was given to him as a sign of restoration? First, he was given a robe, what, which signifies honor. He would not be treated as a slave. He would be restored as a son. Second thing, he was given a ring, which signifies authority. If robe signifies honor, a ring signifies authority. Signet rings were used to seal letters and important papers. And giving of one signet ring to another was granting someone like the power of attorney. He was given shoes. Third thing, shoes were not given to slaves, but to family members. Each item that was given to the son served as a symbol that he was being restored to full status as a member of the family. And remember, you know, you, you remember the father said to the servant, bring out and kill the fatted calf. Yung pinatabang, Guya. Guya ba yun? Goya. Guya. Iba pala yung Goya, di ba? Brand yun. Pinatabang Guya. Yung pinatabang Kobe beef. Alright? So how come that, that, that cow is being fattened. Because probably, for me, uh, personally, the father is anticipating that his son will return. That his son will return. And he knows he'll make some good bulalo when the son returns. Because it's going to be a time of celebration, merriment, that his son who was lost, the son who lasted after the things of the world, the son who wants to learn the hard way to be out of the father's will, the son who was also, you know, uh, longing to come back home. Who is lingering. Who once again experienced the love of the father will one day return. Kaya may pinapatabang baka. Amen? Because he's anticipating his return. So all those things that was given is a sign of restoration. Coming home on Father's Day means forgiveness. But not forgiveness as a favor, but forgiveness that involves complete Restoration. You know, President Lincoln, one of the greatest presidents of America, was asked how he was going to treat the rebellious Southerners when they had finally been defeated and had returned to the Union of the United States. The questioner expected that Lincoln would take a dire vengeance. Diba? So many hardship adversities in that war. A lot of people suffered and died. But you know what Lincoln answered? I will treat them as if they've never been away. I will treat them as they have never been away. They're still part of the union. What forgiveness is there is. Our Heavenly Father treats us the same way when we come home. He actually awaits us and offers forgiveness that promise complete restoration. As if we've never been away. Amen? Aren't you glad for having a Heavenly Father like that? And finally, coming home to the Heavenly Father, we are never forced. Force is being abandoned. We are not manipulated. Look at the younger son. He came to himself and made the decision to come home. The same has to happen to the older brother. We always forget about the older brother, isn't it? The father knew that his oldest son was angry and bitter. But the father went out. He also went out and met him. The Bible says he entreated him. He came out and met him. 
as well. He told him, all that is mine is yours. My welcoming home, my son, in no way diminishes my ability to love and care for you. I am no less your father because I am his father as well. Even though this older son was feeling bitter, betrayed, but you know what? He is also blessed. Amen? Because he's been in the father's protection provision all those times. Medyo hateful nga siya sa niya. Your son. Hindi niya nga tinawag na brother eh. Di ba? Your son. He invites his oldest son to join the celebration. But the father does not want to twist his arm. You notice at the end of the story, the father did not manipulate, manipulate him. And that's the end of the story. We were left hanging. Isn't it? It's unresolved. No nice, comfortable ending. Did the son, older brother, went and have the merriment and, you know, celebration. Walang sinabi yung Bible, isn't it? It's left that way because you and I write the ending when this happened to us. Coming home is about a heavenly father who loves you so much that he's anxiously waiting for you to shower you with forgiveness and completely restore you to his family, you to his family. So happy, happy Father's Day. I have to end. Amen? Look at this verse of Scripture. As verse in Third John, verse four, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Amen. See, if you want to have a gift for your fathers, it's not the kiss jangling, jingling, for a new Lexus, all right, or a new leather shoes, or a, a vacation in the Bahamas. But if you are a child, if you will walk in truth. Fear God, serve Him. I think that's one of the greatest gifts you'll ever give to your dads in our church today. Amen? Let's bow for prayer. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this uh, being uh, revisited, Lord, this story of the prodigal son, but also the loving father. Thank you, Lord, for some examples in the Bible about good men, good fathers who feared you, who have faithed you, who followed you. And we pray for our dads here in our church. You know, we know, Lord, that we have a great responsibility and we need thy help. We need thy guidance. It's getting harder to, to raise kids nowadays, living in, in perilous times in last days. But we know, Lord, our God is greater than anything. That greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we are called to be your witnesses. We are called to be faithful and help us, Lord, to really Persevere, Lord, and put you first in everything. And we thank you, Lord, for even our dads who are not here, uh, those who have gone to be with you, Lord, we remember and honor their legacies and their memories and the lessons, the example they left us. Thank you, Lord, for all our granddads here. Maybe there's a single dad or a, a stepdad or any kinds of dad that we have here in this church. May your Provision be upon us, Lord. And bless the rest of this afternoon, even this uh, short, sweet, and uh, simple program that we have to honor our fathers for today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your patience, listening, and uh, I'd like to give uh, the, the mic to our MCs, Rochelle and Rizat.